Hey y'all, happy new year. It is so good to be back recording the podcast. It's actually been a year to the day that I recorded the last episode of the podcast. So hey, divine timing, I guess, because I definitely didn't plan uh, the hiatus to be that long. But here we are. A lot has changed at Overflow. We now have other healers outside of myself, one of which is our guest today. She is our resident wellness coach. Her name is Ashley Nelson. She leads movement classes at Overflow, and she also offers one-on-one wellness coaching. She is the founder of No Full Well. And so not only is she a wellness coach, but she's an educator, and she's dedicated to shifting wellness inward. Her approach is informed by her experiences as a social worker and sexual health advocate, prioritizing intuitive knowledge, body positivity, and pleasure. Through individual and group coaching, Ashley serves women of color who are committed to living fully. And I met Ashley, y'all, at a creative workshop hosted by Nikia Phoenix, and we were sitting next to each other and found out we had the same birthday. So, cancer gang, gang, gang. I can't wait for you guys to meet her. Welcome to the Overflow Podcast, Ashley. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so happy you're here, y'all. Let me tell y'all a story. So we met at a creative workshop put on um, by a healer um, here in Atlanta. And we just randomly, I think we were sitting next to each other and we got to talking and we were just chatting and we realized that we were birthday twins. Yes. And I was like, okay, Spirit, what you doing? (laughs) So I know that feels so random, but I love how it happened. Yes, I love, love, love synchronicities. And so um, really organically, um, we kind of kept in touch and kept up with each other's work. And Ashley is now um, one of our healers at The Overflow and is also, of course, uh, the founder of No Full Well. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Ashley. Well, I am a wellness coach and um, really like my work is all about empowering black women to become the freest version of themselves. And the focus is by prioritizing our well-being um, really for black women you know, from every which direction, society, from family, from ourselves, we really haven't been given the freedom to um, just ask ourselves the questions like, what do we want and what is the way to get that? And um, so that's what everything has kind of been about. And that's something that I put into practice in my own life as a mom, as a wife, as an entrepreneur. Um, and it, it's going well. I think the process works when you put yourself All right. first. Yes, put yourself first and it all falls into place. Well, that's the word. That's the podcast. We don't need nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> So was there a more like defining moment that kind of brought you to this work that was like, okay, yeah, this is what I want to do? You know what? It was um, the whole process of uh, life. I started off my work as a um, sexual health educator um, and a social worker, but I've always just had this interest in like, how does the body work? How does that relate to like who we are, like um, seeing it in the grand scheme of things? And so when I transitioned to being a stay-at-home mom and moving to Atlanta, I had more flexibility to kind of think about like, what do I really want to do? 
do. Um, and I stuck with sex ed for a while doing it online through an um, organization called Scarlet Team. But then my own experience really led me to this work um, to be a wellness coach and to specifically work with Black women. Um, I'll share that, you know, moving to Atlanta, that was the first time that I had ever made a move. My husband and I had only been married for like a year or two. So now I'm partnered um, and hadn't been before. I'd already been a mother. Um, I had a son from a previous relationship, but we um, chose to have a child and I had a very difficult pregnancy. I had preeclampsia um, and it almost killed me. Mm, so mercy. I didn't realize on top of that, my father was in and out in hospice. And so I just hadn't realized how much I was going through and how much transition I was going through. And yeah. so after I started to recover from the birth of my daughter, um, I think I was looking for control and I hadn't realized that initially, but I took that out on my body, you know, um, because that was the one thing that I felt like this is just me. Um, and when you get into that process, you realize you don't have as much control as you, as you think. Yes. <laughs> um, and so I was doing all of that. I was doing the dieting. I was over exercising. I was injuring myself because of that. And then at a point, and I, I laughed because this is real. I was eating like a quinoa salad or something like that. And I, I hate quinoa. And I was, I was like, Girl, you do not have to live like this. <laughs> you don't have to live like this. You, know? you don't even like. Yeah. And so just that moment really made me stop and to think about like, hey, what am I doing? What do I really need and what do I really want? Um, and so I started to pull that back. But then I realized that that relationship with your body can be really healing and the way that you treat your body can be really healing. And it can be the source of joy and the source of pride. And then like through treating my body in that way, I just became connected with um, everything around me in such a deeper way. I love that. It's like by putting or by, I guess, renavigating or renegotiating your relationship to your body. Really, it sounds like, especially when you're saying it changed your connection to everything around you, it sounds like it was really a spiritual experience. Yeah, more so than I, I I'm starting to see that now, um, how much of a spiritual experience that was and how much it even just shaped the framework for the way that I engage and interact with, again, everything else that's um, around me. I love that. That's beautiful. Listening to all of that and listening to your story, some things that I had, hadn't known about your story really is kind of like, wow, like it's really, uh, it makes me think of when I became a doula, when I was thinking of all of the, I've seen all the things in the headlines about Black women giving birth um, and really just wanted to do something um, to support Black women. And that was before I started doing this work. So mm. it's really beautiful to see as black women always do take a situation that's, you know, detrimental to us and birth something really beautiful out of it. So I really, really appreciate you sharing that with us. Yeah. It feels like that's the legacy of black women. Yeah. Right. I had to make, make it cute. <laughs> <laughs> make a way out of no way. Yes. <laughs> so how do you define wellness overall? Overall, um, 
I really think of it, I've always said, it's kind of like the practice of treating yourself as a person who is worthy. Um, and so really that is what do I deserve? How do I want to feel? And really creating like these practices and the structure and this mindset um, to treat yourself in that way, you know? And so I think when you look at it from both your desires and what you deserve, um, you create some, you, you're just, you're a little bit more in touch with yourself and a little bit more in tuned about what you want. And it gives you the space to define wellness for yourself. You know, I think that's one of the things that is kind of missing from this industry is that ability to really define what it means to be well for yourself and to pursue it in a way that feels right to you. I love that because it really is an individual experience. Um, There is not just one template. And I know that's, you know, one of the things you offer um, in your work is like, hey, let's make this, you know, tailor made for you. But if you are a person who has kind of really struggled with your relationship with your body, or like you said, was doing things like as a way or a method of control or trying to like have this one area of your life that you have some type of control, it doesn't always feel like an enjoyable process. It feels like something that adds more stress. It feels like one more item on the to-do list. So how do you kind of reconnect it um, or shift in a way that your pleasure or your joy or those desires um, are something you incorporate when like at this point you're like, my my pleasures is what got me into this situation in the first place, especially if you're dealing with things that, um, for instance, are affecting like your, uh, you know, like diabetes, for instance, mm-hmm. or um, you having back pains, like whatever the effects are like, let's say you have a gluten intolerance and like you breaking out or you having uh, lethargic symptoms. Like how do you now ref- like how do you shift? Um, because you think that your pleasure, right. Or your quote guilty pleasures is what got you here. So how do you shift that narrative? Yeah. A couple things. Um, I think initially, especially cause I don't want to at all give the impression that like health you know, the actual physical things that are happening in our body isn't real and it doesn't matter. Right. Um, so speaking to that specifically, I do think like who you receive care from is important and what is the frameworks that they use, um, especially when we're talking about like the physical health and anything that's related to weight. Um, you know, the first thing that a doctor typically will do is just say like, oh, you need to lose weight. You need to lose weight. Um, especially and- with black women especially for black women. Um, And so who are you receiving care from? You know, it's very important that you have a level of comfort that when you're talking to whoever your practitioners are, like they take your pain, your discomfort, everything seriously and really being able to gauge that. And you leave and you switch and you continue to search until you really feel that you have found that. Um, Looking into the frameworks that they use um, and There are some doctors who take like a weight neutral approach or who take a holistic approach. What works best for you and the kind of um, care that you're trying to receive, making sure that you're getting care from a person who is like actually qualified to do those things. You know, I think that's a huge one, especially kind of like in the age of social media. Um, I think about, you know, I'm a personal trainer as well. And I think about how many um, trainers will prescribe meal plans. That ain't the scope of our work, you okay, know. Got the people. So, let, let me just tell you, don't come to me for that because 
But here's the thing, like the people are doing things outside of the scope of their work and it's hurting people, you know. So there is some research involved on that end, just strictly like the health perspective. I think the biggest thing is like, who are you getting care from? What is their framework and kind of what are the results? How comfortable do you feel? And are you hurt? I think on that personal level, the very first thing you have to do is like get familiar with your story. Um, and understand where these things are coming from. And this can be like a painful process. It might be something that you want to do with the healer, with the therapist, whatever feels like the most comfortable to help you dig deep and just exploring like, what has the experience of my body being in mint? You know, like being a person in this body, what has that meant for me? And look in the ways that it has been painful, look at the ways that it has given you. I say like access to safety, especially for uh, marginalized people. I think um, that's a huge piece because a lot of times in a way when we're physically trying to change the way that the body looks, it has to do with our ability to be accepted, to be embraced, to gain access to certain situations and things like that. Um, I really appreciate that. And I'll just say, because I've, I've said black women, but really it's for it's for black women, it's for black femmes, it's for black queer people, it's for really all black bodies. The way that we're perceived, especially in the healthcare space or the wellness space, is often made us unsafe. And some of that is like kind of make us avoid it sometimes altogether. So I yeah. really, really appreciate you saying that. Yeah, it's, it's a very complex thing of like, how do we navigate this system that is not built for us, <laughs> that is intentionally causing us harm, you know, so it's difficult. And I think even expanding that outside of it to understand, like, like my desire to be this way, to look this way, to feel this way is valid because of the experiences of my identity, you know? And so I think like also kind of making peace with this idea. I think another thing that we see in the wellness industry is people trying to shame you for wanting to have a certain type of result and a certain type of outcome with no exploration of like where those desires even come from. And though they're all valid, they're all valid. And you just get to decide like, how do I, how am I going to engage with this moving forward? You know, like if I evaluate everything that's happened and I decide like, look, being in a body um, or trying to reach a body that other people will find desirable, that other people will treat better because let's be real, the way a body looks impacts the way that we are treated, you know? That's the decision that I have made. And so I don't think that there should be shame around that. Um, because it's it's valid, it's real. And so once you kind of get clear on um, what the story of your body is, what that looks like, I think it's, you know, then you decide what do I want the relationship with my body to look like? Because this is a long haul, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the one we have. And so then you get to start from there thinking about, all right, um, what different things do I need to kind of put in place? And I think when we decide, when we think about it from the perspective of like, what relationship do I want to have with my body? That shifts it from like, how can I manipulate my body to do um, and be this way? You know, you have to approach something more caring when you're thinking about it as like a long-term relationship. 
Did I, I feel like, did I miss some points? I don't know. I think it was very comprehensive and thorough. Yeah. I, I, I really liked, I really love the answer. I think one of the things that you tapped on that comes up, especially in activist spaces, um, is the theology around the body um, and the way that we, I mean, it's basically posited that we should not have to change our body in reaction um, to what other people desire, right? Um, desirability um, is not, uh, should not be the motivating factor. And there, I don't disagree with that, but I do appreciate the way you're saying like, but we know that this is a very real thing. And for some of us, maybe if we're making these shifts or these changes because of the systems that we live in to not necessarily shame us for making certain choices, but rather give us tools that we're, we're engaging in these goals in ways that don't harm. Um, so I appreciate that because every it's nuanced um, and it is individual. And if you are working within, like you said, the care of like a healer or a therapist to help you deal with maybe some of the deeper issues that there may be around like shame or dysphoria, for instance, um, then you just make sure that you have all of the support that you need. So yeah, no, I definitely think you answered the question. Um, one follow-up, I guess I would ask is how do you include pleasure or joy in a wellness practice in a way that your body care feels more like ritual and kind of less like that perfunctory uh, routine. Yeah. Um, and then again, keeping in mind those things of like what you want and being in touch with also your needs. Cause I think a lot of times when people hear pleasure, they think of overindulgence or things that are actually overindulgence. But then um, this is that part where you have to tune into your body and tune into like why I am engaging in certain activities and what do these certain activities mean to me? Um, because a lot of times it can be kind of like escapism um, or it could just be a thing of um, not paying attention to the full to the full picture. Um, if that makes sense, um, because. Well, let me just answer the question. <laughs> it makes sense. Oh, I know you want to get that caveat, though. No, I get it. I get it. Yes, because I think that's a big thing. Like when people say pleasure, and you're talking about pleasure, it's automatically into the overindulgence piece. And that's because like that foundational work hasn't been done. Um, but I think, first of all, it's expanding the experiences of pleasure automatically sexual pops up, I think, for most people. And I'm all for that, you know, <laughs> sexual health educator. Um, but from that perspective, it made me really think about, you know, what does like pleasure actually mean? And for me, I always describe it as all the things that make you kind of go like, mm, you know? And so when you think about stretching, like when you get that good stretch, like you will audibly make a sound, you know? When you take a bite of some good food, you will make that sound. Um, and so I think it's just kind of being in touch with all of the things that feel good and being mindful of them and paying attention to them and letting go of this idea of this is what 
pleasure looks like. This is specifically the thing that um, pleasure is and tuning in to the moments that we have it, especially like those smaller moments. Um, I think another piece of it, it kind of along the same lines is um, letting go of the idea like this is pleasure. Like I have to have like, you know, I think for instance, like with food, um, let's say maybe it's a, uh, you know, somebody's guilty pleasure. I hate that word when it comes to food, especially like it's a hamburger or something, but like they're on this diet track and they're like, no, I got to eat a turkey burger. Um, and it's not a satisfying. No, turkey burgers can be good. But the thing is, the expectation is that it be like a cheeseburger, a hamburger. That ain't the same. Not the <laughs> same. It ain't the same. So engage in the pleasure of if you like it. You know, I don't think that you should ever do anything that you don't like. There is always an alternative um, that is more suited to your idea of pleasure. But just allow things to be um, and to like be mindful and to be present in those experiences and to be thinking about like, how am I actually experiencing these instead of um, setting up this expectation, setting up this desire for it to be something else? Yeah. And I do think that sometimes because we've been talking a lot about this um, currently in the sanctuary of like programming or scripts that sometimes we just eat stuff because we always ate it, you know, maybe from childhood or sometimes we choose to eat certain foods for nostalgia as a way of like self-soothing and all of those things are great I think that or all of those things are okay um, but I do think what one of the things that you said is more about those simple moments is being present when you're actually present and mindful then you're actually able to figure out what it is that you're actually feeling um, versus just being on autopilot Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, when it comes to body movement, one of the ways that I've experienced your work is kind of this reframing of movement as kind of like punishment, I guess, uh, is the way that I've experienced you. Talk to us a little bit about more kind of bringing that pleasure, uh, prioritizing our pleasure when it comes to body movement. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think just again, like overall with the pleasure is this identifying, like, what do I like? Um, what do I, what do I desire? What feels good? And I bring that up now because I think with movement um, that is included there is to like, you don't exclude that idea of what you like and what type of movement you enjoy. Um, and so it's focusing on the things that you enjoy and really expanding the idea of movement outside of just exercise, because I do think that we have an idea of like what that traditionally looks like in the gym, weights or running and things. But anytime that your body is moving, that's movement. And like, what would it look like if I created a practice around the type of movement that I enjoy? You know, like if you're a person who enjoys dancing when like your song comes on, look, you play 10 of those or five of those songs in a row and you dancing the whole time. Like that is movement. And just from like the health aspects of it, that's some really good cardio. You know, I think of thinking about ways to be more playful, um, trampoline, jump rope, if we're thinking about like the nostalgia aspect of it. And so as I'm saying that, really this idea of again, being kind of like curious and exploring and just like kind of having fun with all the different ways that you can kind of like move your body and um, engage with it 
and tuning in during that time. I think um, removing that piece of I have to sweat, I have to like feel sore, my body has to feel bad after this um, also kind of helps as well because sometimes like we're pushing ourselves past what our body is capable of at the time or past what it is ready for and then that's sending our body a message right mm. it's like oh i'm gonna do that again <laughs> like you hurt me last <laughs> you know and so we're resistant to that you know and so again it's like how can i before we go into it like how can i make this a pleasurable experience you know i think the environment that we're in as well um where you're moving uh, what's happening like are you a auditory person play some music that you enjoy you know mm-hmm. and then I noticed like when I was going to the gym the music is always like loud and hard and violent. and I was like that that don't soothe me I'm stressed you know so even if you're moving like your workout is more traditional, you don't have to take those same traditional elements of like the fitness or the gym industry. You take your headphones and you can have, oh no, it's smooth jazz playing, the meditation spa music playing. You know, before you get started, you put on some essential oils during your breaks and your pauses. You can kind of, you know, smell yourself. You like engage all of your senses engage all of the things that you know you still love to do and I like to say like don't tune out tune in like don't push through this experience make it one that you enjoy and make it one that works for you I really like that because it's kind of like we've been taught to kind of like distract ourselves during the workout so that we don't pay attention to like <laughs> the fact that we're struggling or the fact that we're <laughs> like huffing and puffing so we're like finding something to distract ourselves so that's like right on point one thing that I I love being outdoors and I really love walking and like I really at one point was like oh, I want to run and I kept trying I was like I do not like running like I I I noticed that like I'm getting better at it. I'm getting faster at it, but I, I don't think I actually like it. And so let me just get my cardio in a way that I actually enjoy. And let me just keep my walks as like meditative as a way to connect to the trees and a way to connect to the river. Like, let me just keep it in the birds, like especially the crows. Like, let me just walk. And so when you said that, that really resonated with me because I was just like, I tried and running is not my ministry. It's just not for yeah. me. <laughs> I'm with you. As you said that, that really you had to make me uh, think about the fact like we're straight up dissociating <laughs> when Listen. we're working out. Like it's intended. People straight tell you to like when they're telling you keep going, ignore the pain, blah, blah, blah. You have to like zone out of yourselves in order to make it through that experience. And so like it really just sets up this very unhealthy dynamic of you engaging with your body through this experience because I'm like, damn, you love it. You're straight telling me <laughs> to ignore everything and to just like, I'll go somewhere else. And you know? perhaps that's why certain things aren't sustainable because the rest of the time, like when you're not exercising, your body still is supposed to be the primary, you know, uh, compass, I guess I would say, or guide to everything else. So whether it's your um, your food intake or your water intake, 
Um, when we talk about intuitive eating, like I think I would like this. Um, but if you've been taught not to listen to your body, it's kind of hard to now switch that on um, in the other aspects of your fitness. Yes, it definitely extends to all of those areas. And so I think that movement is like this really beautiful opportunity to learn yourself, to make that connection because of the way that you're engaging. You know, it's such a thing of like, I think of, um, and I I, I prefer traditional um, fitness, like strength training and things like that. But even just like, as I'm going through it, it's like, well, how does this feel different when I use my abs to make it through this move versus when I'm using my glutes? Oh, that feels uncomfortable. Like this, this, this kind of feeling isn't good to me. I need to shift it in another way. Um, And even just like the switching of the intensity, the switching up of the weights and really like paying attention to the way that that feels in my body has strengthened the relationship. And that's not something that has to happen in strength training. You can do that with any type of movement, any type of motion. And it really does kind of teach you to like. Hey, what's going on in my body um, and how does this feel? And it's made me more in tune with how like emotions and things feel within my body, how the spirit feels within my body. Like all of those things have come through that relationship of, you know, just being a little bit more building a more caring, pleasure based, like um, mindful movement practice. Yeah. I, one of the ways that I've experienced the most emotion, um, and movement, I think has been through yin yoga practices and like really being in those deep, slow movements, you really are able to be like, oh man, there is grief trapped Mm -hmm. in this part of my body. There is heartbreak trapped in this part of my body. Like the release that gets experienced when you're actually really, really present and really, really, you know, focused on what your body is trying to tell you is really powerful. Um, and that is kind of how I see as treating your body as a temple. It's like, okay, what does my body need? What is my body telling me? And then here I am going to offer and bring offerings to my body, not just as a reward, but almost in like gratitude and in yes. thanks and in reverence to like everything that I've been through, especially when I'm brought to focus on things that have been particularly difficult um, or things that have been very, very beautiful as well. Like when we talk about sexual pleasure, when we talk about um, maybe giving birth and seeing reminders Mm -hmm. of that in your body or um, the way that your body changes and you're not able to do certain things. It's the exact same way that you used to, or you don't look the same way as you used to, but kind of being in awe of kind of like the changes that happen. So I really appreciate you saying tuning in instead of zoning out, because I think that makes all the difference. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and just like, as you're talking, it's like our body is this tool of intuition and that, that requires like, um, maintenance that requires care that requires um, love in order for us to be able to use it um, effectively absolutely I think one of the things um, and we'll talk about this in rebirth your body if you're wondering like how do I become more intuitive how do I trust myself more it is really doing a body first approach 
Um, yes, of course, you can meditate. Um, you can have clear audience. You can have clairvoyance, all of these things that come through when you're in these powerful meditative experiences. But your body always tells you, you know, who's safe or um, <laughs> when something don't feel right. And y'all all know what that's like. Like, ooh, wow, something's off. You know, so really, but listening to your body and giving your body what it needs strengthens your ability to trust that intuition more. Um, so completely outside of the realm of what we consider to be wellness and body care, it but prioritizing that relationship and strengthening that connection to your body really impacts mm-hmm. all areas of your life. Yes, yes. So the next thing I want to ask you is a little personal um, but how would you describe your relationship to your body right now? And I also want our audience to kind of think of that as well. Like, how would you describe y'all the relationship to your body? That's such an important question, too. Um, and I think right now it's being reframed. Um, so much of it has been spent on, like, what it looks like. And I just... Um, I think you mentioned it already. I'm just, it's really just like awe, like um, an amazement of what it can do, how it can change, how it can hold on to things, how it can release things, how it has protected me. And I've been trying to focus on those aspects of it because I think, um, especially now, you know, COVID, COVID changed some things (laughs) and about the way that, not only the way that this body looks, but the way that it feels and the way that I was using it. And so like really creating this relationship where we can kind of like move together, um, in a way that, you know, I mentioned control early and I still was holding on to like, Oh, you know, (laughs) Still low key trying to do my little control thing. But so now it's, it is really in this place of like, hey, we're just shifting together and let's just kind of like move together. And um, it's, it's, it's some love. It's just like, a, I love you. You know, I love you. Thank you. So I love gratitude. Yes, I've been starting. I don't do it every day, but sometimes I'll like wake up and I'll hug myself. Like when I'm still in the bed and I'm just like, whoo, thank you. Like, especially during COVID, especially, you know, having to do digital learning and like always having to be, even though we're in the house, still being on, right? Like mm-hmm. still having to be on in a very different way, um, having to be even more present to where maybe sometimes, especially kids go to school, you got time to yourself. Um, Even if you work from home, it's just, it's just different. It's just now it's everybody's active and doing something at all times. And so I really have been taking um, the morning time to like look at myself and being like, you got this, we gonna get through this. Um, really hyping myself up. My quarantine body um, is definitely juicier um, because I have been, I don't really know when the shift started. And there's always shifts for me as far as like fluctuation of like weights. And that's just always been the case. Um, And, but one of the things that I feel like I'm accepting is like certain things are not sustainable for me. A certain weight 
whatever I had considered to be like a goal or a dream weight for me is not really sustainable. And also remembering like when I was that weight, like I was 18, mm-hmm. like I'm about to be 33. Like my body is different. And so while I can get there, if I like really, really grind it out, I've been looking at myself like, you know, I think we're good. <laughs> like I'm not going to stress, especially <laughs> during COVID. Like I'm not going to be yeah. doing the things that I was doing to get there because I it, I already, so much is already being taken from me. Like my energy is being pulled in so many different directions that it just will be overwhelming. It would just be one more thing. So I'm really getting comfortable um, and really accepting and really surrendering to um the now and what I'm looking like now and just celebrating that and embracing that. Yes, that's wonderful. And then, I mean, like the process even that you described in getting there is one I think is valuable to all of us and just kind of like, what would it look like and what would it take for me to get down to like this grind weight? And is it worth it? You know, like, is it sustainable? Will that make me happy? Will that feel comfortable for me? And like, will that really bring me pleasure and joy? Uh, so I think, you know, you you bring up a good point. Just focus, focusing on that process. And again, like that being present. <laughs> I'm like, dang, did I answer the next question? But I was like, okay, I'm <laughs> ask it. Uh, but if we want to, like, if we're somebody's listening and, when they think about what their relationship to their body is and it's not where they want to be, um, how would you guide us in shifting it? Um, Again, uh, we know we talked about the body story getting clear there, but then making sure that you hit on like all of the components of your care and kind of expanding that. I think that pleasure is key and it's vital and it's wonderful because it trickles down into the other aspects. Um, I'm thinking about movement, is essential. Um, Nourishment, I call it nourishment, but the way that we're eating and we're feeding our bodies and then rest. Um, And so shifting is really kind of making sure that your plan and your system includes all of these things and thinking of them, as you did mention, like as a whole picture. So if I move like this, what kind of rest is it going to require? Is this going to be pleasurable? When you move a certain way, look, you got to make these connections. Like the way that you eat is different and the way that you need to eat is different in order to like be able to fuel this type of movement. So getting this holistic picture of what it means to um, care for the, care for the body. I think that also focusing on that, what do I want to feel in my body? Um, and what do I realistically kind of like have the space for not only in time, not only in resources, um, but just like your mental and emotional capacity paying attention to as you're going along, evaluating how are you feeling and is this on track with those goals that you set for how you want to feel, you know, um, and really creating this process of exploring. I think letting go of like this ideal outcome of this is the goal that I'm trying to hit and paying attention to your process um, and really just kind of using it as a time to explore what are the things that I like? What are the types of foods that I like? 
um, because that gives you a little bit more freedom. Right. I think we always think of something that's like if it doesn't end up this certain way, if this isn't the exact result, if I don't get the result that I thought I was going to get, that this was a waste. No, now you have information about yourself. Now you have information about how to care for yourself. Like you have information about like the things that you like. So even with meals and food and cooking, like try different, give yourself the ability to explore, you know, you might've tried this one thing, it ain't working. That's fine. Every moment is a moment to restart, you know? So let go of this um, idea of like, it has to look like this and this has to be the outcome and just like kind of enjoy the process and just explore it a little bit more and identifying what you want. I love that. Cause that basically makes the process more centered on learning ourselves mm-hmm. and reconnecting to ourselves and figuring out who, what our body needs and what our body wants. And that really just makes it feel like so much less pressure, Ashley. Yes. <laughs> I like it. Well, before we go, um, I wanted to ask you if you could guide us through um, a little bit of body appreciation and love, some type of meditative exercise, just to kind of send us off into this journey of seeing our body as a temple. Yes, I would love to. All right. So if you are going to participate with us, and I want you to get into a comfortable position. Maybe you're seated. If you like, you can lay down on the ground. Start to take some breaths in. I want you to take your hands, put one on your chest. Start to feel for your heartbeat. Notice how your chest rise up and down as you continue your breaths. Now place your other hand on your stomach. Notice the rising and the falling with your breath, but also pay attention to the way that it moves. Feel for your stomach, your intestines, your liver. Notice that we are a whole system of pieces working together to keep us here. Now your next breath in, I want you to feel how everything is moving together. And as you release, feel the unison. Let's stay here for a moment, breathing in and out, paying attention to the way that our body is working together.
As we prepare to end, take another moment to notice your body. And if you have any words of gratitude to express, share them with your body now. If nothing else comes to mind for you, you just thank it for embracing you. Thank it for housing you. Thank you for its patience. Take one more final breath in and release. And let's open our eyes. That's one of those things that makes you go, Thank you so much, Ashley. Thank you. You've been listening to the Overflow Podcast. To learn more about working with Ashley or to take one of our movement classes led by Ashley, you can visit our website at overflow.co. Overflow is a nurturing space for the rediscovery of your sacred self.